0: You're listening to an Anna's Ministries podcast. Is the Snyder Cut actually good? The answer is yes, but apparently some people think otherwise. Well, today on Systematic Ecology, we're going to do something a little bit different as Joe and I respond to an article claiming that Joss Whedon's version is better. We are the priests of the geeks, meaning that we are mediators between the Christian faith and pop culture. This is not a trap. It's not a bait and switch. This is just two guys who want to go to bat for DC because we love DC. We love DC around here at Systematic Ecology, whether all the Marvel fans like it or not. If you enjoy the things that we're doing here at SG, make sure you head on over to Patreon.com slash Systematic ecology, where you can subscribe to one of our tiers and unlock bonus content comic book reviews DD playthroughs and this month i believe people are going to be getting an exclusive uh top five indie titles or something like that it's pretty cool i'm sure it will be good at least because pastor will's on that episode i want your host for today's episode brandon knight i am a c-list christian celebrity will i ever get invited to the red carpet premiere of god's not dead five the return of kevin sorbo no, but I'm okay with that. I'm Joe. I am a marketer,
1: broadcaster. Um, I too am a uh, C class uh, Christian celebrity, um, and and I'm shooting for uh, God's not dead six to get to get to that
0: one. Maybe oh, not five, nice. but trying to get to six. Get to the sixth one, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, if this gets cut, it's fine. But the God's Not Dead films are starting to turn into like our version of horror films. They just don't stop coming out. They just keep coming. Today, we are like, like I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut, Justice League, Zack's version, whatever you want to call it. This was a release, an exclusive release on HBO Max last year that fans had been petitioning for, and they finally got it released. Because in case you missed it, there was another version that was released in theaters directed by Joss Whedon. Uh, He came on to finish the project after Zack Snyder had a tragedy in his family and had to step back from the uh, production of the film, even though it was basically all done. Uh, Joss came in reshot everything used about 20 minutes of Zach's footage which you can very easily tell what that 20 minutes is when you watch Snyder Cut and released a different version and that version isn't great. But apparently, Joe, some people think otherwise, because about a month ago, CBR, who is not like a casual geek news site, that's one of the heavy hitters of geek news, along with Bleeding Cool, uh, they released an article citing 10 reasons why Joss Whedon's version is better than Zack Snyder's. And I pitched the idea to you to do an episode about it. And I sent the article over to my brother, who's a big fan of our show, Joe. And uh, I sent it over to him to see what he thought about the article. And his response to me was, what did the article actually say? I threw up after I read the title. That's Bradley. Bradley is a big fan of SG, but he is also the biggest fan of the DC Extended Universe. So in part, Bradley, this episode is for you today. One thing I'm going to address the elephant in the room and then Joe, I'll give you opening remarks. Um, Joss Whedon apparently isn't a great guy, as recent events have revealed, even within the past week as Now, cast members from Firefly have come forward about his conduct on set. Um, This episode is not going to be a bashing of Joss Whedon's character. We are here to bash a film that he made, not his character. Um, That being said, we don't necessarily support Joss Whedon and the things that he has done in the past. But this episode is not to rail on him. Joe, is there anything you want to say before we dive into this article?
1: No, I'll tell you the same thing that I said uh, that I I'll, I'll say the same thing that I told you when we were um wh- when we were talking uh, those of us that grew up in the era of Buffy um hmm. are not surprised in any way shape or form that Joss Whedon is not a good dude. Um th- there's th- there's reports of his misconduct dating back to then and and okay. it's you know, it's one of those things. Uh, this is a little bit of separating art from artist. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to go and look at the saga of the different things that are um, the, the the different things that have been said and done and all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. feel free. Um, but this is not. There's there's too many other things to discuss when with all of this that getting stuck there doesn't really do anything and honestly not what this show is all about
0: yes that's true we are not a cancel culture podcast we are here to talk about art and in this case one of them's really good and the other one was directed by joss whedon so and just for context, folks, I have read this article. I know what's coming. Joe is going in blind. So we're going to get some what we all are here for. We are here for fresh shooting from the hip Joe responses. That's what we come to these episodes for. Um, but are you ready to get this started? I think so. think so? All right. So number 10, the number 10 reason why Joss Whedon's version is better than Zach's. It isn't overly long. Is Snyder Cut too long?
1: No, I mean, in, in short, no, it's when when you have something like Snyder Cut and you have something like this situation, you got to remember that the original context for this was a, was a trilogy of movies Mm -hmm. that would have been somewhere in the ballpark of two to two and a half hours. And so basically Mm -hmm. you had all of that jammed together all into one shot at trying to tell a story and Mm -hmm. you, and, and that honestly says a lot that you have, um, All of this stuff condensed down into four hours, right? And then that told a more coherent story than Joss Whedon did.
0: Yeah, That says something to me. That's true. And that is something that I think a lot of these, what a lot of these are going to be is it completely rules out the context of – This was supposed to be a two to three part film series, not one giant film. And also that the HBO version that Zack Snyder got to release, they finally did the thing that they should have done the whole time and just let him do what he wants. In all these other films, there's been restrictions, there's been AT&T getting involved, and then you have – issues you have issues out the wazoo with all of these films and a lot of these issues that cbr is going to raise a lot of these points that they're going to raise is going to completely dismiss the context of this is out of continuity at least for now it's out of continuity and they finally got to let zach do what he wants is four hours a long time for a movie it is. I mean, you have to invest a lot of time into this. Is it long? I will say I'm a guy who needs a good story the whole time. And by about the three, three and a half hour mark, I was like, okay, we need to wrap this up a bit. But for me, just like thinking about, okay, so what would I cut the shorten the film length? like there are some shots that Snyder has in his version that are like Peter Jackson level Lord of the Rings scenery shots. Like there's some of those scenes in the film. If you cut those, you're taking your runtime down from four hours to three hours and 58 minutes. Like it doesn't change that much. So no, like it is a long movie. Four hours is not, you know, easy to get through, but I I don't know how you tell this story well. Like you were saying, I don't know how you tell a coherent story without Zach going long.
1: Yeah, especially with, um, especially with everything that's at play here, you know, you have to tell a long enough story that it all makes sense because Mm -hmm. I think that's part of where they ran into problems the first time that they tried to shove so much into so little time with the Joss Whedon cut that it's impossible to tell a coherent story Mm -hmm. when you trim down too much. And I'm the type of person that I, I, for me, most times two hours long, That's the cap for me. I think after that, you start to lose it. I think the age of three hour long movies, uh, I think is ridiculous. I 100% squarely blame Marvel for that. Um, (laughs) Same thing with Lord of the Rings. Like I have a lot of choice words to say for the people who created six hour long movies. I think you're insane. (laughs) Um, So To me, when you have a four hour long movie and you're able to keep my attention for the four hours, I think that's saying something.
0: I agree. And I've loved all of the rumors that came out right after Snyder Cut came out of like the Russo brothers wanting to release an extended edition of Endgame and Tarantino's wanting to release like a 24 hour version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm sitting back here like that's not the point. The point isn't give us 17 hours worth of one movie. The point was he needed all of this time to tell a good story. We don't need a longer Endgame. Endgame is fine. We don't. I mean, I like the Lord of the Rings. I'm perfectly fine with sitting through Return of the King, but I don't really need extended edition in my life. I'm fine without it. So going on now, number nine, Superman got to be Superman in Joss Whedon's version. Is Superman not Superman in Zack Snyder's version? Yeah, I'm not
1: sure what that's referring to. I mean, other than the fact that it, if if what they mean is Superman got to be campy and got to be the big blue Boy Scout in Joss Whedon's, um, okay, again, what I feel like a lot of these, um, I feel like a lot of these critiques are based off of what people think. Characters are like versus what they're actually like, and it's it's bothersome that it's almost like they expect comics to be, you know, Batman sixty six, that kind of thing. Sure, like it's they're stuck in this very um, specific time frame of what the character should look like, but the problem is, is it's very clearly. People that either don't know the source material, have never read the source material, or don't care and they're just trying to make a clickbaity article and all of that kind of stuff because the reality is – there are there is an overarching story at play and it's based off of a comic book arc. So there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the fact that, they're, that this is, let it tell the story and eventually it will get to the point where you're saying, okay, now Superman can be Superman sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really think that he was that much of Superman in Joss Whedon's version either. If you're going with that like, 70s Christopher Reeves style Superman. He's not winking at the camera in any of these versions of his film. And. You know, I think kind of going to what you're saying here, Snyder wanted to do something different with the tone for DC comics, and yet. Not so much with Marvel, but with DC, everybody expects it to be like this lighthearted hearted campiness, you know, especially with like Superman, like he is the big boy blue scout who's or I said that wrong. Big boy, big blue boy scout. There we go. Who's just going to come in and clean house and everybody's happy. And it's like, you know, this one's hard for me because I'm not a Superman guy. I'm a Batman guy. So like I kind of like this version of Superman that Zack Snyder was going with, who's a little bit like I don't want to say jaded. Jaded's not the right word to describe Superman and Zack Snyder's version. But he, you know, I think back to Man of Steel, which was an excellent Superman movie. He's, you know, he's a little rigid. He's a little rougher around the edges. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't know why that's such a big deal that DC can't be serious. You know?
1: I also think that that was born out of an antiquated um, mindset. You can't get there's the the whole idea is that you know Marvel's the one that's more serious dc is the one that's campier but the mm-hmm. the, the the actuality is that marvel is more grounded mm-hmm. dc has like gods basically and and right. has way more um bombastic Characters and sure. like larger-than-life characters and things like that. Those aren't the same thing. Being right. campy and being lighthearted and being a little bit disconnected from being grounded, Those those are two drastically different things. And I would say right. that if what they were going for was camp, then they failed miserably. But if what they were mm-hmm. going for were Titans fighting, yeah. then they did that and that to mm-hmm. me is exactly why you're hitting at the at the very heart of um why it is that these movies ha- can can get away with breaking the model right when it mm-hmm. comes to the MCU model if it's not the MCU model then it's wrong for a lot of people first off right. second off if You know, with with how grounded they made the MCU, they needed to go in stages in the way that that they did. When you're talking about space gods fighting each other, you don't necessarily (laughs) need to do to do that same kind of plotting thing. You can take it at a much different pace.
0: Yeah. And you know what? People always want to know, like, why am I more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy? I like reading Marvel. I enjoy the Marvel movies, blah, blah, blah. But it is that that divide. I like that DC is more fantasy, to put it to use a word. It's more legends. It's gods and sorcerers battling each other out than the Marvel more grounded approach. I live in the real world. Why do I want real world in my comics? Number eight. um, (sighs) Steppenwolf looks better. In Joss Whedon's version. I categorically disagree on every single
1: level. I disagree with that. I think that you can, I think there's more detail. And I think to me, I I have a very hard time separating just how a character looks to how a character acts. It's a package deal for me. And to me, All he acts more coherently, he looks better. So, to me, that character is just way more.
0: It is just presented better in compelling. Huh? Would you say compelling is Zack Snyder's version more compelling? Is that the word you're looking for?
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. In general, I think DC needs a bigger budget on the CGI in general, like especially since they do go for more of this for their fight scenes, especially the ones involving like Superman or Shazam, like they're they're the cut scenes basically from the Injustice video games. It's how they shoot these fights. And I think in general, they could do better with like a higher budget on the CGI. But I read that and I was like, what's the big deal? Like they both kind of look bad. And that's even like I was reading like what he has to say here. He says that both versions look bad. I'm like, well, then why? Why is this an argument? <laughs> Number seven. And this is one of the few right. that I was. Oh, OK, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> um. Well, that's the thing, right? Like with. With this, it's so much regurgitated opinion that what you just said is is exactly the problem like you have people that just out and out don't want to like this and sure. so they are um way more they just don't regardless of of what regardless of the stance that that they would personally have it's more clickbaity to say that you don't like these movies it's mm-hmm. way more way more acceptable to say that you don't like these movies and so there's nothing accurate happening here oh they both suck but this one sucks less like i don't know like i i, I to yeah. me I, there's no to to me the presentation is on par with how the MCU would present all of their villains. Like, it's not like mm, these. And mm. honestly, to me, the Zack Snyder movies were absolutely gorgeous.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, Man of Steel, I've really enjoyed that one. That's definitely one of my favorite ones. And just for context, listeners, like, yes, we've been making fun of the fact that the Joss Whedon version is not good. I like Zack Snyder's cut I like this movie I think it's a good movie I would give it like a solid it's been a while since I've watched it so I would give it like a seven seven and a half like it's a fine film it's watchable you can get through it a lot of these are very nitpicky that I don't think you're gonna get with a Marvel film
1: yeah um I think uh like like I said I think with this there's so many of these that come down to this wasn't the this is not the Marvel
0: formula. Mm-hmm. And so it's bad because it's not the Marvel formula. And speaking of which, because that actually, I think, transitions well into number seven. <clears throat> a lot of the humor still works. The, the Joss Whedon version is funnier. There's there's humorous moments more peppered throughout the film. Uh, Joe, do you think that this is. Worth it arguing over <laughs>
1: um i mean there's a difference between more jokes being told and it being funnier um sure. i don't necessarily need humor in my movie <laughs> um i think when it comes down to light-hearted versus heavy i think it's mm-hmm. very situational and i think that with joss whedon's cut It sat there and just it tried too hard to be funny for me, like it 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 tried to that Marvel and all of that kind of stuff. And I just don't I don't know. That's not my bag.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think they definitely he definitely tried to lean more into the Marvel, you know, That that slapstick humor that Marvel likes to pull out that sometimes works really well. And then other times I just groan out loud because you're taking me out of the moment with this joke. I will say, though, of the Joss Whedon version, I did really enjoy the only scene that I liked in that movie was the one where they're about ready to go into battle and Aquaman accidentally sits on. Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. And he just starts saying all these real nice things about everybody. Well, the entire rest of the time he's been in the film, he's just been like trashing everybody. That part I enjoyed because it was clever because you didn't see him sit on the lasso. But I don't think Zack Snyder removing that from his version really like. That doesn't change anything.
1: Yeah, no, it's if anything, I think the I think the attempts at. um, I think cutting down on the attempts at humor told a more coherent, allowed for a more coherent story to be told. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Number six. Whedon's doesn't unnecessarily kill Cyborg's dad. So they kill off Cyborg's dad. Sorry, spoilers. They kill off Cyborg's dad in Zack Snyder's version, and apparently that was unnecessary. Is that unnecessary? No, it's called character growth. It's called a character arc, and sometimes death needs to happen for a
1: character arc to happen. It's this is okay. So, so here's what you all came. <laughs> now you, now now you've done it. Okay, so if. If you don't kill him off, you end up with Joss Whedon's cut, and the character has no impact. If we try to give the character more impact and more emotional resonance, then you didn't need to. Then you didn't need to kill him off, and you did wrong for that. These are people that are trying to find a reason to say any version of this movie is bad, and that's really Mm -hmm. what you're going to hear a lot of when it comes to these movies. Give it a Mm -hmm. chance. Half the people that Mm -hmm. I hear say that they don't like it are. People that have never seen it. They're just regurgitating whatever their favorite YouTuber said about it and all of that kind (laughs) of stuff. Take four hours of your life. Watch the movie. Don't expect it to be a to be a Marvel movie and develop your own opinion about it.
0: Sure. And for me, like, okay, yeah, maybe was it necessary to kill off the dad? I don't know. But at least Snyder used Cyborg. Like when you watch Whedon's version, you completely forget that he's even a character in the film. And which has also going back to not bashing, not going to we're not going to stay here long. But that's part of the whole reason that he's being bashed right now because of his treatment of Ray Fisher. Right. Number five. Wonder Woman reveals she never gave up. I have no idea what this is even talking about. <laughs> One key sticking point with fans about Zack Snyder's DCEU is the revelation that Wonder Woman gave up on humanity after World War I. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't even like I don't even know. Again, kind of going back to you, character. You're building a character.
1: Yeah, I, I it is. It is what it is. I mean, you need character impact in order to like you need emotional resonance and all of that to be able to have a compelling character. And th- this is just an example of whatever direction would have been would have been the wrong
0: direction. Number four. Darkside isn't a weak punk. This is the issue of Darkside is one of those points where I do wish that maybe they would have leaned a little bit more into the Marvel side of things and not tried to get to Darkside so quickly. You know, should they have waited 13 years or whatever it was before we finally got the big fight between the avengers and thanos i don't know but i don't think i think it would have benefited if maybe like steppenwolf was just the villain the whole time a little bit more like how joss whedon did it and have steppenwolf be more of the villain the whole time and then looming in the shadows is a dark side i don't know what do you think um i i think that
1: People, by the time that this movie came out, people were used to there being a clear-cut big bad, Thanos, things okay. like that. And I think that there was never enough story to be told to be able to accurately say this one way, one way or the other, to be able to give an assessment sure. of, of the kind of character that he was and things like that. And my question is, is how many of how many people that are actually reporting on this understand the character of darkseid because it's like thanos most people didn't hear, had never heard of thanos before before the mm-hmm. MCU a lot of people had never heard unless you are a comic book fan sure most lay people have not heard of that so it it the same thing would the same thing rings true with this that most people wouldn't have any
0: idea of his character anyway you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah Number three, the R rating is excessive. It didn't need to have an R rating. This is like, this is really like, this is your opinion. You know, like a lot of this isn't like trying to root this in facts at all. It's just this is this guy's opinion, you know?
1: Yeah, um, it's. It's very clear with this kind of with this uh list that this is just like you said at the at the top, like we're we're getting into nitpicking territory. Like there at PG thirteen, it would have been too soft. At R, it's too hard. You know what right. I mean?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And that I think that also goes into what you were saying earlier of this idea that people have of what DC is supposed to be like. Well, why would they make an R-rated film? DC is like the family-friendly comic book company. No, that's Archie and still River, Riverdale exists, and all of you love that. So, so I yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Number two, Martian Manhunters reveal... Makes no sense.
1: I don't understand how it makes no sense.
0: <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. Okay, can I just read this to you? Uh, yeah. Comic book Easter eggs are fun, and there's no denying that. So the problem with the reveal that General Whatever uh, was actually Martin, or was actually Martian Manhunter the whole time, has nothing to do with him appearing in the Snyder Cut, and everything to do with how little it makes sense. Like with how powerful Martian Manhunter is, why did it take him this long for him to do anything to help people? I don't know, but you're all fine with it with the Eternals. Yeah, I mean
1: that's. That's it in a nutshell. Like it, it, I, I'm all for I understand that AT&T slash Warner Brothers seemed like they're they are allergic to making money in a lot of that. regards. And I understand that they don't have the same goodwill um, attached to their projects as as Marvel does. But the reality is that we're seeing some of the same exact things that Marvel went through and 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 does and all of those kinds of things.
0: And I think this also goes back to what we were saying earlier of like, to some degree, this is within its own box. This is not canon. This is not, you know, part of the anything universe. This is its own film, basically. So. Does it not completely make sense? I guess not. But maybe if they would have let him tell the story he wanted to from the get go, maybe we would have had those precious Easter eggs that you wanted so badly. Before we do number one, would you like to take a guess what the number one reason why this version is better or is worse than Joss Whedon's?
1: Oh, see, I would have I would have gone with the whole Superman thing first as as my number one. So now I'm fascinated to even know what they say
0: the worst one is. Okay, number one, the post apocalyptic ending was awful and unnecessary with a picture of. Oh, sorry about that, glare. with a picture of Jared Leto Joker right there. Please take the ball first.
1: So this is coming from somebody who I am not a fan of Jared Leto. I think I have a very hard time separating art from artist, And um, if you know anything about the way that he acts on movie sets and all of that kind of stuff, I don't care what kind of actor you are. That just makes you a crappy human being. And so I'm not, I'm not a fan. That being said, though, um, it gave context like the thing that everybody complained about with the first one is this this scene has no context and anything like that they finally gave context like that's i, I this is this is squabbling over nothingness. This is just taking these opportunities to nitpick and things like that. And honestly, this shows people that have no idea what they're talking about with the source material. This is pulled straight from the comic book pages. This was literally a whole thing where Dark Side wins and then they have to go back in time. And it's, it's a whole setup that they're doing. It's called letting something breathe. If you don't have stakes, then the, then it does not matter. But this is the same, this is the same thing that I watched. Um, that that I watched fans get up in arms about with the finality of the DC or of uh, Marvel's uh, first major story arc with, Hmm. you know, needing to have, you know, weightiness to the whole thing and people don't want to see the downside of it. But at the same token, if you don't have these losses, then the wins don't matter.
0: So what I took from that was you don't like 30 seconds to Mars.
1: I don't actually. (laughs) Uh, They've got one overrated uh, song and the rest of them are absolutely (laughs) garbage.
0: (laughs) Okay. So barring the conduct of Jared Leto. If your whole reason for not liking these movies is because of his version of the Joker. Get over it. Seriously, get over it. You know how much screen time he gets? It's minuscule compared to everything else. He's barely in these movies. Is it good? Is it great? The Suicide or excuse me, Suicide Squad version Joker. Maybe it's not that good. Okay, it's not Heath Ledger. And that's what you all want. You just want more Heath Ledger. I get it. This is me. This is me in the hot take seat for once. I think, Jared, I think Heath Ledger's Joker is overrated. I think the Dark Knight trilogy is a product of its time. And in another 10 years, people are going to start agreeing with me. That being said, now I've made Pastor Will mad because I know that's his favorite version of the Joker. But back on basis, like, guys, come on, get over it. If that's the whole reason, that's the whole reason. Number one reason why Joss Whedon's version is better is because you don't have the apocalyptic scene with Jared Leto. Forget your list, man. Like, like what you were, you know, you took the route of this is the version with Dark Side wins, you know, to me if they just would have let Zack Snyder actually take the ball and run with it, what have they been hinting at the entire time between the Joker and Batman is that we live in a universe where death of the family has happened. Jason Todd is dead. Red Hood is somewhere like there's so much potential. I ate up that monologue that Joker has. I ate it up because it was just so full of references to that. That's what I want. I want the death of the family film. That would be amazing. Dark. Nobody wants it, but probably you and me and my brother. But that's what I want. And I, you know, the nightmare. I think that's what it's called. It's the nightmare verse that with the letter K nightmare verse uh, depiction of the end time where Darkseid takes over. I think it has people have a hard time with it because Snyder took a very artistic approach with it, because at point you in uh, what is it? That one's Batman versus Superman is when it happens for the first time. It just kind of happens, and it's jarring, and it makes you go, I wonder what's going to happen next. People don't want that. People just want a straightforward, and this is something different now. Yeah. um. Okay.
1: It's just something different. Like, (laughs) honestly. Like, that's what it boils down to, is there's all of this hubbub of, I just can't get into DC. I just can't get into these movies because they're not color-coded candy, because (laughs) they're not M&Ms, because they're not the same regurgitated movie. I'll say it. Marvel movies are the same regurgitated movie over and over and over again, and they made 10 years' worth of money off of doing it. There you go. Yeah, you know what I mean. They found a formula, they stuck to it, and that's the, and they they had ten years worth of success milking it.
0: That's and the I whole big agree. reason
1: why they are running into so many problems now is that they are trying to diverge off of that, or they're trying to they're running out of material and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing we are seeing the fact that more and more stories can be told using comic book ip like that's that's mm-hmm. the reality like i so want a comic book horror movie i so <laughs> want a comic book thriller these different mm-hmm. subgenres of using comic book characters to be able to um to be able to tell a story past good guy, bad guy, good guy wins mm-hmm. in the end. Like there's more story to be told and comics are about more than just that. So yeah. being able to tell something different and to have something different, that matters. You know what I mean? And to me, mm-hmm. the only thing, the only major sin that these movies have committed is that they're not Paint by numbers, color coded, cotton candy, the same movie over and over and over again. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and to me, you have an entire world's worth of stories to be told that matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you, it's not just to me, these movies. They tell the best story when there's stakes, and when there's stakes, mm-hmm. that means that bad guys have to lose sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that, that 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 people are showing their hand when they say these movies aren't good because of because because they're too they're unnecessarily over the top or they're unnecessarily mm-hmm. dark or they're unnecessarily this like that just goes to tell me that you have no idea what you're talking about when it comes to the actual source material. I said it. Mm-hmm. One of the most defining story story beats for Batman that informed an entire generation's worth of stories was the fact that a Robin got, mur- got, got murdered and got literally beat to death by a crowbar. That is what mm-hmm. happened. That is the weightiness of the situation. And then was blown up in a, 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 a bombing. Like that's literally mm-hmm. what happened. And now and you try to add this in. Oh, it's unnecessary. It's over the top. You just don't y'all, really like it. You
0: know? Y'all, you voted for it, too. Like, that was the thing about the death and the family finish is that people could vote how it ended. And that's what people wanted. But D.C.'s the more family friendly comic book company. Exactly. Exactly. OK, so we just ran down 10 reasons why um, Joss Whedon's version is apparently better. Joe, what is like your number one? He's rolling his eyes. Maybe we should have did this one live. Um, <laughs> Joe, what would be like your number one pitch for ha- watching Snyder Cut with all of this up in the air now? So what is like your your one line? Here's why you should watch this movie.
1: Um, If you shut off your comic book, Big Brain. And You. Just go in to watch a popcorn flick. I think this movie is so immersive and has so much story to tell that if you stop trying to look at it like a Marvel movie and you just watch it for being a movie, I think it tells more than enough story to be able to Mm -hmm.
0: keep your attention for four hours. And I will say this. Um, Cause I agree with all of that. So I will add this for my reason. Um, Joss Whedon really did cyborg and Batman and the flash dirty in his version. Personally, yep. I don't think, I don't think Whedon has any idea who Batman is <laughs> not a clue who Batman is. And the treatment of the characters are a lot better in Snyder's version. And also, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite directors, but I like a lot of Zack Snyder's movie telling techniques, especially his use of 60s pop songs, which he's been doing before Guardians of the Galaxy made it cool. So just keep that in mind as well. I think I think he did it first anyway. um, So, yeah, that would be I think Zack Snyder is a good director. I enjoy his movies in general. He did wonders with Watchmen, so I would say for a director and for character treatment, check out Snyder Cut. The big thing that Joe and I have been harping on really, though, this entire time is. Just give it a try. (laughs) Just try it. Just. Just just sit down Go to go to your local pharmacy, get some of those, you know, dollar movie popcorn or movie theater candies, get an Arnold Palmer, sit down and just enjoy. Have a movie night. You know, where Joe and I live, it's been like negative eight for real. Like you just need to be inside for a little bit and just watch a movie. Just turn off your brain and taste and enjoy And this is where I want to shift now into the more spiritual minded conversation here at Geekology. Thinking about this idea of like, just give it a try. Just give it a try. Psalm 34, verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And Joe, one thing I do when I prepare sermons, when I do my own Bible studying, whatever it may be, I always ask the question, you know, what does the text say? You know, what is being said here? But I also ask the question, what is not being said? Because sometimes when we come to God's word and we look at it and we think, what is not being communicated here? That adds to what we see in the text. And what's one thing that I think is really interesting is that what this verse is not saying is that it doesn't say, Oh, taste and see if the Lord is good. The word there is that. So it's not a question of whether or not God is good. The psalmist here is saying the Lord is good. You need to taste this. Yeah, uh, it's
1: there's no there's no ambiguity to it. It's a matter of. Engaging and you will see Mm -hmm. versus any kind of
0: interpretation of if you will see. Mm -hmm. Like this is a this is a stated fact. God is good. You know, I think we both grew up in Baptist churches, so we both know the God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. You know, it's the cheesy thing we say. I just had
1: a flashback. I just I want you guys to. If I seem like my tone has changed, I just, and I make that, I make that joke, but the, you know, yes, it's a little bit ridiculous when you have, um, when you have uh, these different little phrases and things like that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is this, right? Um. I'm going to do with you guys what I do with the rest of my shows. And to quote great philosopher, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, for those of you that don't know Lex on Lex Luther on Smallville, um, he has a podcast and he says on his podcast, the longer that the red light's on, the more likely it is that you're going to get vulnerable in front of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to borrow a page out of his book for a minute. I stepped into this episode, uh beat up. I got I just it's but life sucks sometimes. That's mm-hmm. the reality is life sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. The good news that keeps me going is that past life sucking, God is always good. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. Let that let that really marinate. Because when we realize that, and it's not contingent on what's going on in the present. Mm-hmm. then that whole thing changes, that whole that whole paradigm of how it is that we view God changes. And if we look at the entirety of God, then we know that God is good all the time. And, and regardless mm-hmm. of the little, you know, quaint phrases and things like that, we need to put that mm-hmm. into the practical, into the every single day of it all.
0: Yeah, uh, this past Sunday, I preached at a church. On the on Psalm 30, which is the famous verse, you have turned my morning into dancing. Joy, uh, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Is it a, is, a, you know, some of the famous verses, lines that come from Psalm 30. Um, and I talked about this idea that a lot of times in Christianity, we we try to create joy. We try to, you know, be joyful. We're going to be joyful people. Here's the thing. Joy is good. Um, And if you want to learn more about joy, read literally anything C.S. Lewis wrote, basically. Um, As he explains that joy is basically this idea of getting a taste of God now. You know, it's that hopeful, longing expectation of what is to come. And we get a taste of it right now. We don't create joy. You know, the big turn in Psalm 30 is this idea that God, you, you, God, have turned my mourning into dancing. Or you go forward into Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit. Part of that is joy. That is something that is grown inside of us through God. You know, so life is sorrowful. Life sucks sometimes. We don't try to create the joy. If we try to create joy, we create happiness. We create pleasure. And those things don't last. But when we taste and see that God is good, even in the midst of the sorrow, the sorrow doesn't go away. But what we get is a taste of joy in the midst of the sorrow.
1: Yeah, that's what we are called into a posture of staying by the side of the, of the savior, you know, Mm -hmm. by uh, holding on to God for dear life and not letting go. That doesn't require, or that doesn't grant us or guarantee us safe passage. Seriously. That's, Mm -hmm. that's bad theology. That's bad. And, and I, I just want to take an aside and say, you know what, if you are the person that has heard that being a Christian grants you safe passage or that God wants you healthy and wealthy and all that kind of stuff. I'm so sorry that, that you have fallen to that bad theology and that bad teaching because that creates bad hurt in people. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that we have hope outside of present circumstance and that's what makes it so sweet. Amen.
0: On that note, Let's start wrapping it up. So, Joe, do you have any recommendations for our audience today?
1: Yeah, um, I would I would honestly just suggest watching, you know, if you haven't watched the if all you've seen is the Joss Whedon cut or if you haven't watched any of it, um, man, I would suggest taking the time to actually sit down and watch all of this, you know, because it's there. Like I said, there's a lot of story to be told if you just allow Mm -hmm. it to tell the story.
0: Yep. Uh, For me, I'm going to recommend reading kingdom come. It doesn't really connect to uh, the film we're talking about today per se, other than the fact that Batman's old. Um, But the reason I bring it up is that if you're listening to this and you're like a, like a Marvel person, but you want to start getting more into D.C. I don't know. To me, that's like the best book to walk into because, um, you yeah, know, the art is beautiful. It's Alex Ross paintings. The story is compelling. It's kind of a well, there's a lot to it. And there's a little bit of a religious uh, overtone as well. And, you know, we're a Christian podcast. So gold star. Joe, if anybody wanted to uh, keep up with you, where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me um, going on these kinds of tirades and, and preaching at either uh, Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road, both of which you can find on uh, Facebook. And you can find all the links for all of our things at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com.
0: Nice. And uh, again, I'm Brandon Knight. You can follow me on Instagram at just brandon k or on twitter at just underscore brandon k uh, i have my own podcast called my seminary life where i talk about the stuff i am learning about in seminary and you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts or facebook and instagram at my seminary life pod i'm also over on kingdom on the road every once in a while um and actually joe's gonna be on my Seminary Life, I think early March is when that episode is supposed to come out. So that'll be fun as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget, go on over to systematicgeekology.org where you can let us know what you've been geeking out on and what you think we should be geeking out on, or if you have any suggestions for future episodes. And remember, we are all a chosen priesthood, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.